Welcome back and kicking off your Monday right, we have a brand new bonus episode for y'all. And today we're going to be talking all about episode 6 of the Disney Plus limited series, What If? Actually, wait, that's not true. They're confirmed for season 2. That was a, a fib. But today's episode we're going to be talking all about What If Killmonger Saved Tony Stark? So right now, this is kind of the beginning focal point of the MCU in which Tony Stark does not get injured from the blast of his own missile that was launched by the Ten Rings and was instead saved by Eric Killmonger, the villain from Black Panther. Now let's talk about it real quick. I think that this is one of the uh, slightly more... I guess, boring um, what-if scenarios because it isn't, you know, uh, fantastical like the Zombies episode or the Doctor Strange episode where it really turns everything on its head. I mean, in its own way, it really, you know, uh, ca- you know, cataclysmically changes the course of everything that we know about the MCU going forward. Uh, I mean, you know, some things stay the same like Captain Marvel, uh, ca- uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, but with Killmonger saving Tony Stark, that means we don't, you know, get Iron Man, we don't um, get Ultron, probably, and I'm sure the course of events in which, you know, Thor and and the uh, Avengers plays out. So, you know, I would have liked to see maybe at the last few minutes of the episode, like a flash forward of everything that is to come. It is kind of a more uh, self-contained story that I think Uh, really builds on Killmonger's um, journey as a villain that was, you know, explored in Black Panther. But, you know, given a little more uh, attention to, you know, and focus to his character, uh, because I think, you know, Killmonger is really the driving force of the plot. And it's nice to see Michael B. Jordan, you know, uh, flex his uh, vocal acting skills. I think everyone, for the most part, brings their A-game. I really like the the guy who uh, does his, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. impression. At first, it's a little jarring because I feel like his pitch is just a little, you know, uh, in the higher register compared to Downey. But he does get the Downeyisms perfect in which, you know, the banter is feels uh, reminiscent of, of Downey's delivery. So that was good. It was interesting to see, uh, you know, uh, uh, Don Cheadle, uh, as Rhodey, I mean, you know, it's not like they were going to get Terrence Howard, but I would have liked, you know, just a mini vocal cameo from Terrence Howard, I don't know, in some way, shape, or form, but, uh, you know, we get Downey, uh, no, not Downey, we get uh, Cheadle in it, and then we don't get Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper, but the voice actress that plays her does a somewhat okay job uh, in, in bringing that vocal performance, you know, I'm not really looking for a one-to-one uh, for uh, in these episodes, but it you know it's nice to kind of keep that continuity going. But it is what it is, and it's okay with me. But the plot of it, the episode itself it feels kind of um, I don't know contrived in bringing Killmonger into the fold of Tony's story because you know we see that he is. Um, currently operating uh, for the U.S. military, but 
It never really explains why his unit happened to be in the area at the time of his explosion. And, you know, uh, he was saying that uh, prior to the attack, he Killmonger did some, you know, uh, research into Obadiah Stane's ties with the Ten Rings and his plan to assassinate Tony. So we, so we see Obadiah arrested on the spot during the press conference scene. But... You know, it never really explains why Killmonger was, you know, looking into getting help from Tony in the first place. Why not Justin Hammer or maybe, um, you know, Hank Pym or something like that where uh, Killmonger could have literally gone to anyone else to help him build his uh, anime mech droids. Uh, but, you know, he had his sights on Tony. So, uh, yeah, it just felt very circumstantial to kind of set the plot up. But once the ball get uh, got rolling, you know, it was kind of cool to see uh, Tony uh, in a situation where he never changes his morality initially. I mean, he does realize that his own weapons was being used, you know, uh, for evil purposes. And so in a way, he kind of gets like an accelerated, you know, um, uh, character arc into the person that he became after his accident in the Iron Man movie. But yeah, it just, you know, uh, felt cool to kind of see him work alongside Killmonger. I thought that the characters had really, uh, you know, good rapport with one another. And I like that they incorporated that Michael B. Jordan's, you know, obsession with anime, you know, uh, became a part of Killmonger's character. Supposedly the rumor is that, uh, or the, the uh, I guess the myth is that um, Killmonger's armor that he wears in the movie is inspired by Vegeta's armor from Dragon Ball Z. If that's the case, and Michael B. Jordan really was able to talk to, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Coogler and the uh, costumes department into doing that, that's pretty cool. It's really good armor. I, I, you know, not saying that we need another live action Dragon Ball movie, but, you know, if we did somehow get one, that's probably the way that the armor should look, and that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, so yeah, Killmonger kills Tony Stark and then he ends up killing Rhodey. Uh, well, he kills Rhodey first and then also T'Challa makes an appearance. So that's another appearance that we get from Chadwick Boseman and Chadwick Boseman has just a brief cameo, but it's one of our uh, last few episodes that we're going to ever hear him in that role. So, you know, uh, I think we're, we should get one more final performance from him. I'm predicting in the last episode of the season because... It is kind of hinting that maybe the, the universes might be converging. There's nothing really hinting in this episode, but a lot of the promos, uh, especially with the mid-season trailer uh, coming out, it, it sounded like uh, there's a few scenes in which all the characters do come to a head at the end. I really hope that Killmonger makes his way into the main MCU, uh, and that's kind of their way of reviving Michael B. Jordan back into the fold, uh, because... The episode ends with uh, essentially Killmonger tricking T'Challa's parents and, uh, you know, uh, the uh, people of Wakanda that he is there to avenge uh, T'Challa's death, even though he had his whole hand uh, in, in, uh, in taking his life, right? Um, and so he essentially becomes the next Black Panther after tricking, you know, his uh relatives except for shuri who kind of smells the bs from a mile away and same with pepper who has her suspicions but doesn't have any clear-cut evidence that 
uh, Killmonger had any hand in killing Tony uh, and Rhodey. And so uh, I like that Killmonger was sort of like Emperor Palpatine in the way where he orchestrates this uh, international conflict between uh, Wakanda and the U.S. government and creating like a, a, a war in which, you know, the practical use of the the army of drones that he uh, built with Tony would be used against the Wakandan people. And then he, him kind of framing that as uh, as a way for him to make himself look good as he takes them those drones down on behalf of the Wakandan army. So he's kind of playing both sides uh, with a very uh, well-thought-out plan, you know, uh, that pulls the strings behind the scenes. So that's cool. Uh, I would have thought that uh, maybe Justin Hammer would have helped in man mass manufacturing uh, the drones, but that wasn't the case, and so that's that's totally okay because you know uh, the drones designs look very reminiscent of you know the drones that we got from uh, Iron Man Two. But side note, it's kind of cool that Tony knows about Gundam. You know, everyone talks about oh. Michael B. Jordan's character is a major weeb, but so is Tony for knowing what Gundam is. So, you know, nerds be nerds. But let's see, what else happened in this episode that is of worth noting? Oh, Andy Serkis is in it. Andy Serkis is just as fine, you know, uh, in his reprisal of Ulysses Claw. You know, uh, Andy Serkis, for the most part, uh, gave a pretty good performance. He, you know, tried channeling a little bit of that manic energy that he had in uh, Black Panther. But I would have thought that because he's the most seasoned um, vocal artist that he would have had a little more fun to, you know, um, play with in that space uh, in an animated format. But, you know, it just translated as pretty okay. Overall, uh, you know, with the episode ending with Shuri giving Pepper the uh, evidence that she needs to um, incriminate uh, Killmonger and, and uh, you know, possibly um, apprehend him for the murders that he committed, it kind of leaves in a very unsatisfying note in which we don't really know what's going to happen next. There's really not any indication of what's to follow. And that's what I was saying, that it would have been nice to maybe see some sort of flash forward to um, some sort of major event within the Avengers timeline in which, uh, you know, the lack of an Iron Man or, uh, you know, Black Panther uh, or at least like, you know, uh, like a morally good Black Panther would be um, detrimental to the. Uh, foundation of that timeline so we never got that and then i think maybe it's a story that could be you know picked up on in a season two episode i really don't think that season two is going to pick up the uh book ends of any of the episodes that came uh from season one just because i think that there's so much the whole point of it is to be an anthology series and you don't want it to necessarily continue the uh, story from a previous episode. It's kind of like the Twilight Zone in which, you know, uh, for the most part, you know, the episodes act standalone and don't really act in continuity with one another. Um, and so I, I don't think that season one is going to necessarily bleed into season two. I think, you know, they are going to, you know, merge universes by episode nine. 
uh, maybe by the end of episode eight too. But you know that that's that's about it. And then they end uh, that show, you know, on whatever note that they choose to end it on. And then season two can kind of start with a fresh start. I think season two is really just going to focus more on what if scenarios with phases three and four, and then a little bit uh, with uh, what they you know want to hint at for uh, I guess phase five, even though that's too far away in advance, but you never know. I think season two is going to be a little more uh, flexible in the way it tells its story and doesn't feel like it's going to be bound necessarily by uh, having to, you know, introduce the concept of the multiverse to the audience and and playing with uh, these different uh, variant stories. But um, I'm going to give this episode like a, a pretty decent 7 out of 10. What do y'all think? Let me know uh, in the uh, social media handles of what you thought about this episode. You can reach me at, on Instagram at That's My Q Podcast or on Twitter at Q Podcast. You can also email me your thoughts at That's My Q Podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, let's talk nerdy. So um yeah what would you have wanted to see from this show because i think personally i would like the episodes to be a little longer uh i think the pacing also by the way for this episode was really good because it really deviated from any of the the stories that it didn't feel uh you know you know underpaced or overpaced where you know everything was happening all at once i thought it it hit a pretty good stride and the comedy wasn't like over the top like the zombies episode last week. So that's good. Um, hoping that this week's episode will be, let's see, what else is going to be happening this week? We have, I think, uh, Gamora taking over for Thanos in one episode. And we also have the Party Thor episode. No idea what that story is going to be like, but I'm looking forward to it. Y'all, thank y'all for listening so much. And for enjoying, you know, uh, what you can from the, uh, this show. I love just doing these uh, bonus episodes for y'all. And so uh, maybe once What If concludes, I'll do my What If review. And then I'll sp- uh, space out the uh, frequency of these bonus episodes. Because I know, uh, you know, maybe it might be a little too much to come to the feed. And there's so much to just, like, catch up on. But, you know, for those that actually binge th- through these episodes, like I mentioned in the uh, Lord Drake Kanye episode, you know, thank y'all for for doing that. It really means a lot to me when you know I see those numbers uh, just jump up because it really means that you know the show is you know working for some folks. So that's great, and I really can't thank you enough. So if you can, you know, uh, take some time out of your day to you know leave the you know the show a nice uh, rating on Apple Podcasts. Maybe give like a little review. Whatever you want to say, anything nice, uh, you know, uh, would be great. And I would love to maybe read a few reviews on air one of these days. I want to thank also J1K for the use of their music, No Flowers, from the Vault Volume 3 beat tape, which you can find on j1kmusic.bandcamp.com. I was just kind of freestyling this episode off the top of the dome with no script, which I usually do for the What If episodes, and... I felt like I didn't really like fumble the ball too much. So score. Hell yeah. Also, random note. Uh, I know for the old heads, for, for you old folks that that have listened to the backlog of uh, these episodes, Mayor of Easttown, real quick shout out. 
they won a lot of uh, Emmys this uh, this past weekend. So, you know, the main cast with Kate Winslet, Evan Peters, and Julianne Nicholson, they got awards for, you know, uh, Mayor of Easttown. So maybe give that a watch and let me know what you think. That's on HBO Max. Check that out. I've been your host, Christian Ong, and I love Mayor of Easttown and the Queen's Gambit freaking rules. Okay. Uh, I'm going to leave you off with a quote and then send you off on your merry way. Uh, this quote, I feel like a lot of the quotes uh, that come from the episodes in which uh, Chadwick Boseman comes into the episode, I really feel like maybe they retrofitted it in into the script to kind of act poignantly to his passing. I don't know. It just feels like the timing of these uh, very you know powerful and impactful quotes just seems to always be in an episode in which uh, you know T'Challa is in it. So. Uh, this time we uh, get a quote from the, the Watcher who says, Heroes are never really gone. They live forever, as do the ones they inspire to carry on the fight. Once again, I've been your host, Christian Ong. And that's my cue.